Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 160, as the Islanders have punched their ticket to the playoffs. Finally, it was a long, hard season, and it took until game 82, a 4-2 win over the Canadians at Rockin' UBS Arena, before the Islanders could finally say that, yes, they are a playoff team again. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross, and as is often the case during playoff podcasts. I'm joined by my good friend and Newsday teammate, Neil Best, who was also at the playoff clincher on Wednesday night. And Neil, let's just start your initial thoughts to what was a very tensely played game that ultimately turned out in the Islanders' favor. Well, you said it when you called this a playoff podcast because, uh, you know, early in the game when we, you know, we felt the atmosphere, and you made the point that it felt like the first playoff game at UBS Arena. So naturally, I stole that idea from my column. Thank you very much, uh, because because you were right. I mean, it, it, even though the Islanders technically could have lost and still gotten in if Pittsburgh somehow lost again Thursday night, we know that was unlikely. So, yeah, it was. I mean, look, it's it's obviously not Anthony Beauvillier scoring in Game Six at the Coliseum yet, yeah. uh, but. It was a little taste. There's no question in terms of the the crowd's excitement and tenseness uh, that it felt like a playoff game. And, of course, we'll see a real playoff game soon now. So the fans deserved it. I thought the players deserved it because in late January it looked hopeless. As frustrated as everyone was in late January, I thought this team deserved a chance to, uh, you know, show that they could actually do this, and they did. We're, We're at Leeds, I don't know, but for the moment it was an achievement. And the Islanders can either play the Carolina Hurricanes or the record-setting Boston Bruins, who set records for both victories in a season for the NHL and uh, points, beating the great dynastic Canadian teams of the late 70s uh, for, for the most points in a season. Uh, neither, neither the Hurricanes nor the Bruins would be an easy matchup. I mean, that's just not how the playoffs work. Everything's tough, certainly when you're a wild card spot and you get one of the two division winners. But to, to Neil's point, uh, taking him 82 games here, yeah, it looked very bleak in January. And uh, more recently, it looked very bleak after Monday night's 5-2 loss in Washington. And, and that loss... You looked at the final stats, uh, you know, I guess objectively the Islanders carried the play for a lot of that game. The, uh, they, they more than doubled the, uh, the chances that the Capitals had. It was something crazy like 94 to 49, somewhere in there. But it, it was, uh, the, the, the problem was the Capitals scored twice in the first 63 seconds and three times in the opening th- 13 minutes and it's 3 nothing, and you just felt like that game was over right from the hop, and that took playoff control out of the Islanders' hands. And it was really a roller coaster of emotions uh, from Monday getting through the end of the game here because on Tuesday, the Islanders wake up after flying home from Washington feeling like they had sort of blown their chance. The, the Penguins are on home ice against lottery-bound Chicago. Uh, and and the, the Penguins' finale is against the Blue Jackets, who are also lottery-bound. And it, it just looked like the Penguins 
with, with control in their own hands, we're, we're going to run with it. But Chicago, with four goals in the third period, wound up winning 5-2. And that allowed the Islanders to come to the rink for the morning skate on Wednesday in high spirits, knowing playoff uh, destiny was back in their hands. And I thought they really capitalized on that. I thought it was a very smart decision by Lane Lambert to, to have the identity line on the ice to start. Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin, Casey Sezikis, they get, got in on the forecheck right off the opening faceoff. And there were no mishaps like there were in Washington. It was a tense, close game. But the, the Islanders never trailed in this game. Well, there was a mishap on that short-handed goal yeah. by Montreal, but, you know, stuff happens. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the players were good talking both, I guess, at the, you know, at the morning skate and after the game just about, yeah, the crazy emotions. And, you know, look, I, I mean, I wrote an early column that hopefully most of you won't see. But that it was, um, <laughs> but, but, but the point in that column was about how, you know, fans and, and um, writers, you know, constantly in professional sports underestimate these teams that are not as talented or injured or tanking, quote-unquote, and, you know, these, are, these professional athletes, they tend to be, you know, the backups are just slightly less incredibly talented than the starters. And we saw that happen to the Islanders on Monday. We saw it happen to Pittsburgh on Tuesday. Montreal played a pretty good game. You know, they were in this game. They weren't the better team, I would say, but they were not, in, you know, they, they were in the game. They could have won that game. So, you know, stuff happens in, in hockey more than other sports, which leads back to the, the playoff thing. Um, you know, it's hockey. We've seen this happen before. The If the Islanders play the Bruins, of course it would be a stunning upset if the Islanders won. But all, but compared to other sports, it would not be as stunning because it's hockey and stuff happens. And I, I think if they play Carolina, they have a very legitimate chance. But Bruins, yes, I would not bet the house on the, Bruins, <laughs> on the Islanders beating the Bruins, but... Stranger things have happened. Well, we, we saw just a couple of seasons ago, I think it was in 2019, the Lightning were the President's yep. Trophy winners, uh, most points in the league. This was, you know, they, they wound up winning Stanley Cups in 20 and 21, you know, defeating the Islanders in the, in the semifinals. But the Lightning get faced off against the Blue Jackets in the first round. And the Blue Jackets swept them for nothing, and that was one of the most jaw-dropping playoff upsets. But to your point, this is you know this tells you that as long as you get into the playoffs, you're right there. You can be right there. Now, obviously, the Islanders they don't score at the same rate. Their power play finally got a goal tonight. They'd come into uh, the season finale 0 for 16 over their last their previous eight games they went 0 for 2 uh, but then got a late one in the third period and Anders Lee got a crucial insurance goal on the power play now I'm not saying that that's going to that momentum's going to carry over into the playoffs but and this is a big but if they can reinsert Matthew Barzell onto the power play things were going really well before Barzell got injured with him and Horvat on that top power play unit and uh, again uh, Matthew Barzell skating on his own uh, has yet to rejoin the Islanders for practice but I think that the sense within the organization and you know Lane would not commit to Barzell being ready for game one 
Lane Lambert not willing to commit to anything, really, um, in terms of giving out news. But I think the feeling within the team is that Matthew Barzell will be on the ice at some point in this first-round series. The same going for defenseman Alexander Romanov, who missed the, uh, the last five games of the regular season with an upper body. Um, I think Romanov, uh, there's not much uh, guesswork as to what happens if Romanov is healthy after rookie Samuel Bolduc was benched for the final period in a few minutes after uh, he just didn't look like he skated back hard enough against Nick Suzuki on that shorthanded goal. And uh, so Romanov would probably go in for Bolduc. And, you know, as much as Lane Lambert is willing to praise Josh Bailey for the quote-unquote little things he does. I don't think there's any question that Barzell would go back in and that would take away a spot from both Josh Bailey, who had been in a healthy scratch in eight of the previous ten games before tonight's game. He goes back in. Or Simon Holmstrom, who came out for Bailey. I think both of them would be on the outside looking in once Barzell is healthy. From your vantage point, Neil, how much better can they be with Barzell's, you know, dynamic skating? Or, I mean, since February 18th, when Barzell went out, the Islanders have played some of their best hockey of the season. Do you you buy into that? Well, I mean, first of all, about Barzell being out, that just goes back to what we were, you know, in terms of giving them credit for, you know, achieving this. That's another thing that they had to overcome. You know, I mean, I've been a skeptic over the years about Matt's game just because of the um, unusualness of it and how, he, you know, it's hard to, he's hard to play with sometimes. But I have definitely come around to his importance and just kind of making things happen and keeping the puck moving and just, he, you know, he he's clearly a net positive and healthy. So, I mean, of course he's, he would, you know, he would move back onto that top line. He would help the power play. Yes, I mean, they, I, I regardless of what the record is without him, he, they they need they need him especially the guy like Horvat now that he can set up they they just they need him back and um, yeah I mean well, Lane will tell us he's playing like when he steps on the ice in a game that's yeah. when we'll know Matt Parzell's playing so they they do need him back um, because yeah I mean if you're playing the Bruins you do you do actually have to score goals at some point uh, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and they can't go into the playoffs with their power play. Anders Lee power play goal, notwithstanding, they cannot go into the playoffs and have a power play that looks like their first two power plays tonight. They're, they're, well, you know, you sort of, I'm sure fans were joking about it just like writers were, but it was true that they, as soon as they're, they're playing well at five on five, and as soon as the, both times, as soon as the power play started, it was like, you know, people was, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure the answer to this, but. I was wondering, as were others, whether in the NHL you are allowed to decline a penalty. I, like, I don't, I don't think it's ever been done. The question is, are you allowed to no, do it? I don't think you are. <laughs> I, I don't think okay, you are. But I, <laughs> I mean, I, it, I mean, it, it, obviously we're joking, but in that, it, it actually looked like they should have declined those penalties. And and, and actually, the Islanders play pretty well four on four. Okay, Maybe the well, solution is as soon as you go on a power play. Oh. You, you know, oh, that's yeah. You yeah, could do that. Yeah, take an immediate 
right. penalty, you know, and and skate four on four. <laughs> right, just kind of shoot the puck out of your out of the zone on purpose or something yeah. or whatever. Lane Lambert has talked about wanting to see more shots uh, on the power play. That's been oh. his latest. Oh, that's that, that's interesting because that's what every hockey crowd in the history of hockey has wanted yeah. on power plays. <laughs> Before that, he's he's talked about their inability to you know gain the zone at times, and you know, and, and that's a lot of that. I mean, it, it shouldn't still you know Matthew Barzell has been out since February February eighteenth, but a lot of times the power play would rely on just a back pass to Barzell and giving him the time and space to create speed coming up through the neutral zone, and they would gain the blue line that way. Right. They don't have the uh, the, the defenseman uh, they have are not really the ones who are going to carry the puck up all the way up ice, and and, and the power play is just kind of been static and even though you know they're you know just like in basketball you know there's a center there are two forwards there's you know guards the power play is not designed to be static even though you have someone nominally assigned to the bumper position and you have a power play quarterback and you know you got two guys on the on the half walls and you put someone at the net Power plays work only by creating shooting lanes and creating movement. And without Barzell, it's been a very, very, very static power play. Yeah, Barzell is the opposite of static. <laughs> Sometimes he's too not static. But yeah, no, but you're right. That's what I'm saying. He he makes things happen and he gets people off you know off their game, including goalies. Like nobody knows, you know, as long as his line mates can figure out where he's going, that's fine because the other team probably can't figure out where he's going. So, uh, no, you're right. He's the opposite of static. Um, <laughs> I don't know if when I'm allowed to make a bigger picture point. Please what's, the, what's the difference? Yeah. Um, now, I, I, one thing I think about, because, you know, we talked about how, you know, they, they, they achieved this hurdle. They made the playoffs. That so was sort of a, a minimum requirement. But given where they were, it is, it is an achievement. I, I just am interested what we, uh, you know, those who cover the team and those who are fans of the team, will be saying if let's just say they let's say they play the Bruins and lose in five losing six whatever um if they had not made the playoffs it would have been easy to characterize this season I guess is what I'm getting at and if they win the Stanley Cup it will be very easy to categorize right. categorize yeah. the season if they lose meekly in the first round I don't know what's what how to think about this season obviously it would be a disappointment that's clear but in terms of the next step I just don't know what what that's what that's going to look like now that they have avoided disaster by making the playoffs. <laughs> and of course, I'm getting ahead of myself because we have to let's see what yeah. they do in the playoffs. Let's see who they play. No, no, that's and, why I yeah. warned you. I was looking too far ahead. But that is something I'm already thinking about. It's like okay, avoided disaster. You know, the upside is win the Stanley Cup. But what does everything in between that look like? Yeah, I, I mean, I am after. After Lou Lamarillo opted to essentially keep this group together, and really the the, the couple of changes in the offseason were swapping out Barry Trotz for Lane Lambert, new voice, quote-unquote, and importing Alexander Romanov from the Canadians, it, it was not a lot of change, and the explanation was we still believe in this group. We think last season was an outlier. You know, the COVID messed us up. Starting with 13 games on the road to wait for UBS 
messed us up. Was, all that was fair, by the way. Right. So they, they're saying that last year was the outlier. And, and this team, this core is truly the core that went to back-to-back NHL Final Fours. Now, if you go out meekly in the first round, even if it's to the Bruins, who, you know, let's not overthink this. The Bruins should win the Stanley Cup this season. Should. 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 It usually doesn't happen like that, <laughs> but I think this is one of the seasons where I'm not going to overthink this, Right. I'm not going to look for like a little acorn hidden under some leaf and go, this is why this team's got... I think the Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup. I think they're going to follow through on this insane regular season they had, and they're going to win the Stanley Cup. But still, the if it turns out the Islanders are matched up against the Bruins, they're out in four or five, it's, it's not a competitive series. To me, this season... Still, going back to that referendum on Lou Lamoureux's decision, this is a bad season. No, that's totally fair, and and that's the way I would, you know, if that happens, I would characterize it that way, and... You know, but then again, it's like, well, what if they win one round? You know, it's like, we, yeah. again, we, we can talk about all this during our 47 yeah. other podcasts yeah, during right. the playoffs. <laughs> the only reason I even brought it up today is only because, again, I was thinking of it only in the – I'm not going to think of this every game during the playoffs. It's just that I was thinking about it today because they've now, yeah. you know, gotten past that first – because yeah. we know if they had lost this game – <laughs> that's the end of the world. Yeah. Like then they, the, the franchise would have to move to Kansas City and just the, the arena would be used yeah. for high school games. I don't know what. <laughs> you know they're going to use the last five minutes, that clip, as like prime example of why the media is too negative, no. right? The, no, 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 it's, it's, it's again, I, I, that's all, it's, it, to me it's all fair, but it's also mm. fair, yeah. you know, to say that they deserve credit for, Given what was going on in midseason, they deserve credit for getting to where they did tonight. Also, bigger picture, and this is you know a little bit of a positive, certainly for hockey in this area, or, you know, and hopefully hockey coverage and and how much you know radio time it's going to get in the next couple of weeks, newspaper space. This is a big deal. This is the first time since two thousand and seven that the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Devils are all in the NHL playoffs. And there's a good chance that some form of combination of those three teams, there's going to be a playoff series, hopefully maybe a couple of playoff series, that involve these three teams. And, you know, for those of you too young to remember when these, you know, when certainly the Islanders and Rangers used to play in the playoffs every single season, my words are not going to be able to convey just how much fun, how intense that rivalry is in the playoffs, and we haven't had it. The Islanders and Rangers haven't played in the playoffs since 94. That, that, that in itself is such a bizarre stat to me, yeah. just given how often the Rangers have played, you know, Pittsburgh, Washington. Yeah. You know, it's just it's a very strange stat. Right. How much are you looking forward to I, this as, as, uh, as a person who's well, probably going to bounce between a couple right, of yeah, these no, series? Yeah, um, yes. Well, first of all, it's also the first time since 1994 if you throw in the Knicks and Nets, so that's kind of cool also. 
I am looking forward to it. I, I think uh, whoever the Islanders play, that'll be interesting. But if the Rangers and Devils play each other, that's an interesting series in hockey terms and also in terms of what you're talking about, just sort of interest in the area. So, uh, the, and of course, if they do play each other, one of them will have to advance. So that's good. Um, yeah, I think it is great for hockey and, um, uh, you know, some long competitive series are even better. Um, because, you know, we've seen that with the Islanders the two years they advanced and then the Rangers last year. Once once these local teams get into the conference finals, you get non-hockey fans or just sort of casual hockey fans who do start paying attention. And the, the hockey teams, uh, especially the Rangers and Devils, I guess, just based on the regular seasons, ha- have a better chance of making deep runs than the Knicks or Nets do. So, <laughs> I mean, I do think we'll be more likely to be talking hockey in mid-May than basketball. So, <laughs> so oh, you never know. You never know. Yeah. But, you know, the Knicks and Nets are you know, yeah. not going to be favored in second-round series, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm reasonably sure I will not be talking NBA basketball. Well, no, no, I, I know we're on a hockey podcast, but since you brought up <laughs> oh, the bigger... You know, it, oh, it, even, even it, when the microphone's off. <laughs> no, no, I, okay. But, but, it, but it is, I do think that the, the hockey, when the five teams all being in the playoffs... Uh, you know, well, let's face it, you know, usually around here in April and May, it's already baseball obsession yeah. with sports talk radio, yeah. newspapers, just fans in general. And now for at least two weeks and maybe two months, the winter sports teams are still going to be in the mix, which is which is nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's going to be fun. You know, we you talked about the atmosphere in the building in UBS tonight. And I thought the crowd was great. You know, I thought they they cheered, they chanted, they sang, and they booed at the appropriate time, too, when the power play came on the ice. I was going to say, the appropriate time being the power play. Right. So I I thought it was a lot of fun. And that's, you know, there have been some good games in this building. But really, last season was a mess. So you never got the full potential of what this building was going to be like. And, And this season... You know, there were a lot of ups and downs, and it took till game 82 to to clinch a playoff spot. But now, I don't think you can understate the importance to management and to ownership of getting, even if it's just two playoff games in this building, to, to, to say that there's been playoff hockey in UBS Arena. Because, again, looking, expanding the picture, looking towards next season, which is crazy, right? But... The Devils are only getting better, right? <laughs> they're 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 going to be the, the Senators are only getting better. The Sabers are only getting better. The Islanders, let's call it what it is, they're getting older, right? Um, their window, you know, their window. You still got Bo Horvat, you got Matthew Barzell, you got Ilya Sorokin, but their window as a true contender with this with with this group, you might. You know, it might not be unfair to say this season is really the last season under that window. Yeah. So, so there's no guarantee there's playoff games in this building next season. And if there weren't playoff games in this season and you miss maybe, say, the next two or three years, that's, you know, you, you, you're, you're digging out of a real big hole in terms of establishing the home ice advantage you can have in this building. Yeah. Do you know in... 13 seasons, 13 seasons at MetLife Stadium. Yeah. Do you know how many playoff games, not counting the Super Bowl, how many playoff games involving the Jets and Giants 
haven't played at MetLife Stadium. Well, none for the Jets, correct? That's correct. None for the Jets. I think one, one. for the Giants. One. Yeah. They beat the Falcons. Right. One. So <laughs> the only reason I even bring that up is because yeah, it's 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 a it's a, it's something to be cherished and is not an automatic mm-hmm. thing. You know, home playoff games mean a lot, as you said, to fans, but also to the, the bottom line, to management, to, to just everything. Now, the Giants did win two Super Bowls well, with only one home game. Yeah. But um, still, one home game with two teams yeah. in 13 years. The Islanders are going to have two home games, guaranteed. Yeah, in the second season. <laughs> in the second season. So it's uh, not that bad. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, we're joking about it, but to your point, my perception of MetLife Stadium is just met, right? Well, well that's that's everyone's perception. It's everyone, <laughs> but but it could have it could have been different, right. Had there been playoff right, runs, right? No, that's or, a fair point because it's a Met building. But if you had, you know, yeah, classic games or something, it changes the vibe. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing. I mean, let's face it, Nassau Coliseum. Uh, yeah, I mean the the memories of Nassau Coliseum are not really based on the building itself, even though it's a nice place. Yeah. It's a nice place to watch a hockey game, but it was what occurred in the building. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and I know sometimes the Islanders get accused of you know pretending like the only four seasons in the team's history were from 1980 to 83, but even past the dynasty, there were. I mean, there were some moments in that building that were so electric, both yeah. regular season and in the playoffs. And a lot of those regular season moments were coming against rivals, and they were intense rivals because they had, there had been playoff series, right. right? I mean, so yeah, but that's why, yeah, no, it's all it's all true, and that's why, to to a very limited extent. Uh, that's why you made a good point that I stole um, uh, about tonight. Yeah, it was it was the unofficial first yeah. playoff game at UBS Arena. That's, that's what it was. Yeah, no, and and look, I I, I hope there's a lot more here because uh, it, it was it was fun. Sort of tie a bow on it. We know what is good with the Islanders, right? We know it starts with Ilya Sorokin. We know the Brock Nelson line with Kyle Palmieri and Pierre Engvall has been sort of driving the bus. We know what we're going to get out of Sezekis, Martin, and Clutterbuck. You know, Zach Parisi's had a, a fantastic season. Hudson Fashing, you know, not enough has spoken about this, this guy and what he's gone through um, and what he's done. He got to 10 goals this year. As he said after the uh, game today, he goes, I had one NHL goal coming into the season to, to get to 10 is almost beyond the realm of imagination right. for him, right? Um, so, you know, we know what's good with the Islanders. What, in your mind, has to happen in the playoffs in the first round for there maybe to be a second round? Well, I mean, it's it's to overcome the, 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 the lack of firepower and the lack of speed and the lack of power play recently. Yeah. I mean, these are all deficiencies that are not new, yeah. but, but they've been able over the last five years to overcome a lot of that with their, you know, wily veterans who know how to play and their yeah. grit and they're smart and they're, they're, they work hard. And, you know, sometimes that's enough, especially with a good goalie, but... but you know, it's like, 
I mean, I, I keep mixing up sports. That's because I cover every sport, and they're all mixed up in my head. <laughs> but but, the, but think about the Mets and Yankees' playoff failures in recent years. You get to the playoffs, and the runs aren't there. And the Islanders, you know, it's happened to the Rangers also in recent years. It's like, you know, you, you ha- they're not a high-powered team, but you, you if you get to the big game and can't get the big goal, you are obviously not going to win. So they have to find a way to do that, having Barzell back, should help yeah. you know, if, if that happens. Reversing that, because it, it is a good analogy with baseball. And in baseball, good pitching just overmatches good bats in the playoffs, right? And that's why that happens to the Yankees and the Mets, and they, they can't score. The hockey analogy to that would be having that great goaltender. Usually, if you get that great goaltender on a run, that can usually nullify or, you know, even the, the playing surface with these high-powered teams. Yeah, well. Ilya Sorokin, this is going to be his first playoff run as the clear-cut, established number one goalie. The only series where he might not have the edge would be against the Boston Bruins because Linus Olmark is, you know, the presumptive Vesna Trophy winner with his numbers this season. But Ilya Sorokin going into this, can he be? Can he overmatch the firepower? Well, yeah, of course he's capable of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the X factors that the Islanders have in their favor is a very good goaltender. But you know, expecting him to win one nothing every day is not a good formula. Yeah. So I mean, you know, they still have to score. But yes, of course, if you're, if 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 the, let's just say they play the Bruins. Um, that's what makes it not impossible is that, yeah, he could get hot and the Bruins could get frustrated and th- things seem to come so easily to them. And all of a sudden, if it doesn't, you know, how do they react? That's what happens sometimes to these high-powered teams like Tampa a few years ago. W- what if what if the Bruins lose the first game 2 to nothing? And they're like, holy cow, what do we do now? You yeah. Know? yeah no. it's, it's theoretically possible. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing the Islanders can do, because they're not the fastest skating team. That, this, I, yeah, I know that's the shock. But what they can do is if they get to their physical team, if they get to their physical game, they have shown they can wear down opponents. They did it to the Bruins a couple of seasons ago in the playoffs. Now, granted, these Bruins are better than the Bruins they faced a couple of seasons ago. You know, more balance, more firepower, better goaltending. However, you know, they, if, if, if they play the Devils in the first round or the Hurricanes, kind of two speed teams, I think the Islanders' ability to get into the corners and muck it up and, and really play a physical game can maybe mitigate that, that speed disadvantage they're going to have. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's one of the ways they, yeah, that they kind of get by, yes. Um, and, of course, in the playoffs, typically it's not obviously not traditionally as wide open as the regular season, which mm-hmm. also works in their favor. I mean, we've said for years now, you know, they're really a team built more for the playoffs than the regular season. That's what we were saying during those two long runs. Yeah. Anyway. And, you know, well, now they're back in the playoffs. So last year we never got a chance to see them in the playoffs. Now this year maybe they can do that again and show that, okay, they're not the most dynamic regular season team, but they can – they're built to play playoff hockey. Well, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. We'll see how long, how short or quick it goes. Uh, 
before we, we get out of here, Neil, I was going to ask you a music question, but the story you told me today was interesting. Oh. In, in lieu of Bruce Springsteen playing at UBS, uh, you know, two of the past three nights here, tell me where you live down on the Jersey Shore I, and, I, and your connection to Bruce Springsteen. Okay. I should first point out, I want, I, I want Newsday readers and listeners to know I went to Northport High School. I have Long Island street cred. But we <laughs> currently have a place in Belmar, New Jersey, down the Jersey Shore. And um, I'm three blocks from E Street, as in the E Street. <laughs> and uh, the, the band was named for this street where they used to uh, practice at the garage of one of the band, the keyboardist, David Sanchez. And um, <laughs> we were walking the dog the other day, and these two people come out. I know which house or which address it is. It's actually different. The house has changed. The address is yeah. the same. And this you know, couple comes out to take a walk, and they're sort of petting our dog. And... I was kicking myself for not just tar- chatting them up about like is anything like do what's it like do people come and take do tourists come and take their picture in front of your house which I know they do because my sister did and um, and it was just kind of a you know they seemed like they might have been open to that conversation from their non-threatening dog owners taking a walk it wasn't like we were seeking them out but anyway yes I um, and at the corner of E Street and Tenth Avenue there's a big gr- uh, guitar. And a lot of people take pictures at the intersection thinking that it's the 10th Avenue also from the song, which it is not. But it's still a cool picture to have the, the, the you know, the street sign yeah. that says E Street and 10th Avenue. So that's a, that's a very popular uh, picture spot. <laughs> no, I, I just found that fascinating. Too. I wonder if Bruce ever goes back to take a peek. Well, he's, he's in that area a lot. Yeah. People, he's spotted often just randomly in Jersey yeah. Shore towns. So he's he does still... You know, just show up. Uh, I don't know about showing up at that intersection. That would be a cool picture for a tourist to see. Oh, yeah. for Bruce to just show up there. That <laughs> that would be memorable. <laughs> well, hopefully, we will have a lot more chats like this with Neil as the uh, as the playoffs progress. And uh, I just want to point out that Neil's Islanders content can be found on Newsday.com backslash Isles as well as mine. Um, and also please go to newsday.com and check out the streaming Newsday TV. We will be having, uh, frequent Islander updates, uh, via Newsday TV as well. On Twitter, you can still find me at A Gross Newsday. You can still find Neil at Sportswatch. And until the next time we convene, happy hockey, everybody.